0: what the hr podcast and i am jesse novi an hr business partner with ch robinson
1: and i'm mike tool twin city sherman board member and hr technology consultant with sap success today we're talking to kevin mosher he's an hr employment attorney kevin's going to be joining us um, regularly for a compliance update and today we're talking about anti-harassment in the workforce and kind of post me too movement all right, so we're here with Kevin Mosher. Kevin, thank you for joining Jesse and I for our compliance update for our listeners. Um, before we get into the updates, uh, why don't you give do a quick
2: bio of who you are, where you come from, what you do? Yeah, I walk around with that. I'll give you my bio. The, um, yeah, I'm a partner at the law firm of Thompson Co., Cousins and Irons. It's national uh, firm. I run the Minnesota office. I'm a labor and employment um, certified labor and employment law specialist by the MSBA. They um, make me say it that way uh, <laughs> when you get the certification. Yeah. So um, I am an HR attorney. So all I all I do is is uh, help employers, companies, organizations uh, understand legal compliance regarding HR. Employment laws, anything having to do with employees. Yeah, so I want
1: to talk a little bit about HR Genius because that's a program that you created. Uh, Before we get into that, like just really quick, your your day to day life. What are you doing all day for your clients?
2: Yeah, all day. um, When you know we obviously go to court, so I'll go into court, um, represent employers with uh, regard to you know employment lawsuits, discrimination, FMLA, whistleblower, that sort of thing, retaliation. Uh, most, most of my day I spend helping employers, drafting policies, uh, understanding compliance issues, answering calls, questions, meeting with employers to understand how to deal with difficult employee situations. And there are, there are difficult employee situations out there, um, quite a bit of them. So, you know, it's pretty much, that's my day, uh, just really helping out organizations and, and companies to understand how to, how to deal with employees. Great. Um, so today's compliance update, we're going to talk about
1: anti-harassment and the post-Me Too movement. Um, tell us, tell our listeners what's new with it. Um, you know, what are companies going to be looking out for? And then, you know, what can they do if something does arise?
2: Yeah, I mean, this has been, you know, it's been two and a half years. Uh, since Me Too really was kind of exploded out uh, with the whole Harvey Weinstein and then all the craziness with like Fox News and and uh, all those lawsuits and everything so there have been some lessons learned Um, the last two and a half years I think a lot of employers around and not just in Minnesota but just around the country have really not everybody but I think a lot of employers there's a lot of movement toward really understanding that having harassment training, having strong policies, pre, uh, preventing or you know trying to prevent uh, harassment and bullying. Bullying is also part of this conversation. Uh, it's not just uh, around sexual harassment, but the you know these issues have been learned by a lot of a lot of employers, a lot of organizations, nonprofits, and that sort of thing, and uh, government agencies as well. And so you know I think we continue to learn these lessons. Um, one of the lessons is hey it's just really important from a recruiting standpoint it's a really important thing from a a retention standpoint the amount of money that that employers are spending on recruiting and retaining employees especially you know we're in a very tight uh job job market with low unemployment especially if you're in a professional services industry and you're trying to spend you're spending a lot of money on recruiting highly technical workers um and there just you know aren't as many as there are that there might be the need Harassment's part of that. Um, having a good workplace, uh, you know, it's not just all ping pong tables and and foosball tables and everything like that. Also, you know, people leave places that that are hostile and and you don't you just generally don't want that i don't think that's good economics and i don't think that's good culture and um you know it's not good for society and that sort of thing so i think we there's been some lessons learned and i think there have been a lot of changes for that obviously there are a lot of bad actors out there you know individuals um that are that ruin workplaces for for people one of the other things we learned is the lawsuit really did not explode out of you know there have obviously been a lot of harassment lawsuits the last two and a half years, but the deluge of, of harassment lawsuits, it's not been as great as was probably initially feared, um, mainly because the laws didn't change. The standard of what is harassment, of what is a hostile work environment in the workplace um, to make an employer liable so that you could actually sue the employer for for the actions of a coworker or a supervisor, um, primarily with regard to coworkers, the laws just really haven't changed and so um you know as a result there are just you know there haven't been that many more lawsuits where you would just say like this huge explosion obviously there's been an uptick obviously just in that uptick is probably primarily because of uh, just more attention being paid to it in social media and people wanting to stand up a little bit more than than in the past so uh
1: with that Laws haven't changed, but I think people are more sensitive to it now or they understand it better. It's more prevalent. Is there any repercussions? So if, let's say something does happen in the workforce and it maybe isn't a, an act that you can terminate somebody lawfully. Are they still able to fire them? And then if they do, is there something that that employee then can come back because it, it's not covered by law? You mean if you fire
2: the harasser? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, like the person who is harassing a coworker. Or? Yeah. So you mentioned the laws haven't changed. Um, so here's what I mean by that. Um, the law, the standard for proving that there is a hostile work environment um, based on sex. But we, you know, we most commonly, especially with Me Too, we talk about sex discrimination, sex mm-hmm. harassment. Um, household work environment based on sex it really covers any protected class and so when i say protected class i mean like national origin citizenship is a protected class age is a protected class um you know every state has their own thing you know in minnesota creed is a is a protected class um receipt of public assistance is a protected class household work environment harassment covers all of these things sex harassment is just the most common it's the most commonly understood okay but to prove that against a coworker. You know, not a supervisor, but to prove it against a coworker, you need to show that that, um, you know, your your work environment was so hostile that a reasonable person would have found it would have found it so offensive. Um, And, and, you know, so it's just the standard. The standard is really is really high Um, and it has to be severe and pervasive. So the 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 actions themselves against the the person who's claiming the harm it has to be severe and pervasive and that's a really high standard. So a, a normal person has to perceive it. So not just the person that's being harassed, but a typical normal person would have to say, yeah, that's, that's severe and, and pervasive harassment such that, that yeah, we should, we should um, you know find liability against an employer and that the employer should pay for the wrongs of, of the coworker. Obviously the employer has to know about it a little bit and there should be a policy in place or some other elements here, but it's that severe and pervasive standard that makes it really hard to win these coworker harassment lawsuits and um, there has been some movement so it's so if we're talking about new things there was some movement at the legislature made you know kind of in, in the HR world made made big news in Minnesota a lot of lawyers um you know got up and not just lawyers but but um you know the lawyers are the most important right um <laughs> <laughs> totally joking but you know a lot of when testified and the um, and they testified uh, uh, saying, "Hey, this severe and pervasive standard really prevents a lot of people who are experiencing some harassment um, from coworkers in the workplace. It really prevents them from seeking recourse, from getting from any sort of liability." Now, the legislature did not ultimately pass that on and change the law in Minnesota, but it's out there. Um, and Minnesota is not the only state that's looking looking at this. So, the next wave of this me too generation, uh, you know, post me Too movement, the next wave probably will be getting States to change this legal standard and lowering it so that a lot more employees can, um, can ultimately get recourse from the courts and get liability against those employers.
0: So question regarding what you, that's really good information and some information that I actually wasn't privy to. So it's good to know that, um, you know in those cases where you know perhaps it wouldn't be considered pervasive but an employer does a full investigation based on the allegations that have been brought forth and the employer has determined you know this is this is is not well suited with our culture this is something that you know maybe they have some verbiage within their employee handbook that supports that um, the individual that did the harassing um, should be terminated. How would something like that stand up then if the um, harasser is in fact terminated due to the investigation and what's written in the uh, um, employer's handbook?
2: Right. So it's really a question. So the way I look at at that, when you're doing an investigation and and you determine that, yes, there's been some harassment and yes, this this current employee is the, you know, is harassing. Well, you need to have a anti-harassment policy. So your policy should dictate the process. It should have a reporting mechanism, all these sorts of things. You have to have that in in place as an employer. Um, But then if you do determine that there's harassment, that doesn't automatically mean that you need to fire the person. Um, The way I look at it is that they are risk. And we have a lot of employees that have risky behaviors and everything. But the question for for you as an employer is for cultural, you know, maybe cultural, maybe legal is, well, what do you what do you want to do with the harasser? Uh, Do you want to set do you want to set a precedent? You want to just automatically fire? Um, Depending on the level of harassment, most employers will fire the person. If it's a lesser form of harassment, but it violates the policy. And I don't have a great example right right now, um, maybe just an offhanded joke. That was just a one-off. That this person, like, yes, it violates the policy. It's probably not unlawful. There's probably not going to be any sort of lawsuit over this. But it's an an off-color joke that, that just didn't go over well and it offended somebody or maybe multiple people. You probably, you know, you might not feel the need to fire the person, and that's okay. the question for the employer is: Well, what is? What are the consequences? What is the recourse that's going to be? And and the the ultimate thing that the employer needs to do is the employer needs to put a stop to it, mm-hmm. and try to do everything that the employer can so that this doesn't occur again. Because if it occurs again after like this, you know, bad joke, maybe it's a racist joke, whatever it was. But if it if it happens again in a few months. That's going to be, that's going to be a problem. I mean, if there is ultimately a lawsuit because this person just didn't stop, well, clearly the employer didn't do what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably needed to, you know, get rid of the person. Um, but definitely some counseling. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you could do it. It could be counseling. It could be firing. It could be advanced. It could be training. It could be a suspension. You know, sky's the limit on how you want to discipline the harasser, but there's nothing in the law that says you have to get rid of, rid of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to mention because I know as somebody who's counseled leadership on these types of situations, they oftentimes think it is really a black and white approach. And I like how you mentioned it's kind of dependent on the scenario. Like if this employee has been with the company for a long time, they've been a high performing employee of no reason to believe that this is a poor employee, just somebody who made a poor decision as all of us, you know, maybe have a history of saying something or doing something that maybe reflecting on we were like oh gosh that probably wasn't the best move and so the um you know employee supervisor sitting down and saying hey we need to address this issue maybe putting that person on a performance improvement plan making sure that the proper training is in place all of those things before just assuming that termination is the the best option
2: agreed yeah it's like I say, the, the key is that you put a stop to it. You're right. And yeah. whatever that means to put a stop to it, if it's public ridicule, if it's training, whatever it is, you want to put a stop to it as the employer. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, I mean, certainly does. it's certainly not a black and white approach.
0: What is your consultation to employers in those situations that are really small employers with small departments? And maybe they have a situation where they need to remove a reporting structure or they can't have two individuals working together. But perhaps there aren't other opportunities in other departments. What have you consulted on in that regard?
2: Yeah, it's it. It's hard. It's hard with smaller employers where you really can't get the people away um, from one another. Having a conversation with the person with, let's just say the victim in this situation, if especially let's just assume it's something pretty serious, Um, having a conversation with the victim about what, you know, working with him or her on, um, you know, going forward, like what would it look like? What would you like? Doesn't mean you have to do everything that they want. But I think bringing them into that conversation and into that decision making is important. They might feel some sort of vindication and some you know, some sort of like people believe me and that sort of thing. Um, but I mean, if ultimately you cannot restructure the, the company oh, and so that the reporting mechanism, the reporting structure, you can't separate the two. Um, it's, it's hard, it's really hard. You just need to know that as an employer, you're, you're living with that risk. And, you know, if it occurs again, it's going to it could be a pretty nasty um, lawsuit or lia- liability And so in that situation, you might err toward firing the supervisor um, versus at a bigger company where you just might be able to get you know, the two away from each other and say and hope that the supervisor through whatever other counseling and training, you know, never does this again but it is it is hard um in a in a smaller organization um and so most smaller organizations you know unless you fire the person which is often hard in a smaller organization um just they do some serious counseling and training on that supervisor and some extra watching and really emphasizing to the the victim in this situation there will be absolutely no retaliation that person will be fired immediately but but giving them as much assurance and making sure that they have a direct line of communication to you know ownership or senior leadership if assuming there's no hr in um you know there or the hr department but just making sure that they know that they're protected that even though you can't just, you know, get rid of the person entirely, they're protected and they need to uh, know that they should come forward immediately if, if anything else happens. If uh, if something does
1: happen um, and you do get a call and you have to get in, there's there's um, a legal issue, what should the employer do on their side, you know, in between events or you know, during the investigation, like what, what should they do to prepare? Like, what would you like to see if something comes up?
2: Yeah. So one of the I mean, the way you so if you get an, uh, an allegation uh, complaint of of harassment, depending on you, you want to get the initial story on it. Um, and i'm not saying the full story but just an initial feel for it is this touching is this just a, a bad pass at somebody you know he asked they somebody asked on a date how, is it innocuous or is it pretty serious if it sounds like it's potentially serious um what you might want to do is immediately just um throw water on the on the situation and and temporarily suspend the accused and, you know, you might want to talk to them and say, look, we just procedurally, we just need to remove you from the situation. We need to do an investigation into this. Um, a lot of uh, companies will, will try to suspend the accuser or the, the accuser themselves. Not a good idea. Um, we don't want to do anything that's potentially adverse and, uh, to, the, to that person. We want to encourage people to come forward. We don't want to discourage them. Um, and even if it's paid time off it. It's not necessarily in
1: still <laughs> feels like a punishment still a feels bit. like a punishment yeah
2: yeah because yeah, you know for whatever people like to, to come to work they feel like they should so so i would um if it sounds like it's potentially bad um then i would suspend temporarily the person who's accused and, and you might say look with or without pay depending on the outcome of this investigation and if we if we if This is all cleared up. We'll talk about compensation later, but at this point, you're being suspended with or without pay so that we can get our our hands on it. Call legal counsel, call your HR consultant, whatever it is. And um, and then the first step is to get the full narrative from the accuser. Um, Find out who the witnesses are, get the full story and get 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 all of it, whether it's in writing or verbal. I like to get things in writing, but you want to have a full understanding of what that of what their story is. And then you just take the investigation from there. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for
1: taking time to give our audience a compliance update really quick. Uh, Tell our listeners how they can get
2: a hold of you if they. Find themselves <laughs> right. needing um, right. legal if you, assistance if you need legal assistance. Um, yeah, you're. You know, I'm. I'm here in Minnesota. Uh, like I said, I run the office. Um, my email is k mosher m o s h e r at uh, my firm's name Thompson Co. It's t h uh, o m p s o n c o e co with an e at the end dot uh, com. Otherwise, you can always check out my the my HR Genius website as well, um, and that's at myhrgenius.co. dot co. Um, So
0: are you on LinkedIn, Kevin?
2: I am. Yeah. Okay. Kevin Mosher at at LinkedIn. LinkedIn, Yeah. Love connecting with HR people.
0: All right. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of what the HR, if you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, your CEO, help us get the podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when it's done well. Also, if you have suggestions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcshurm.org. That is podcast at tcshurm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Finally, if you're not already a member of Twin Cities Sherm, please use the code WHATTHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next episode.